Hey guys, it's your girl Booney, and you're listening to episode 172 of the Booney Breakdown Podcast, your source for all things responsible and ratchet. The content in this episode is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified medical health provider for any questions you have on your own personal medical conditions. Support for today's episode comes from Erin Condren, a lifestyle brand known for creating fun and functional organization essentials for the home, office, and everything in between. Go ahead and get you some high-quality planners and notebooks to custom organizers, decks, accessories, and more. And as a Boonie Breakdown listener, you can receive $10 off your first purchase of $40 or more by using the code R-A-K-U-T-E. E-N-1-0. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N-1-0. Details on how to purchase can be found in the show notes and on the booneybreakdown.com. All right. Welcome to this week's episode, guys. Uh, we are in for a responsible treat this week. Yes, we had to get through some disclaimers and sponsor notes <laughs> before we dive into this episode. Um, I am looking forward to the feedback um, and for you guys to hear this great episode. Our guest is Ama Gordon. She is the co-founder of Global Fertility Connections. Um, and Global Fertility Connections is a company that was birthed out of her own fertility challenges and they offer intended parents their experience industry expertise and customized services on your path to parenthood this conversation is so great guys um we talk about fertility and infertility why it is such a taboo topic why black women suffer in silence so much and don't get the help that is out there seek it um do they even know where to go to get the help and Alma also breaks down some kind of fertility 101. What is the difference between surrogacy, egg uh, freezing, um, IVF treatments? We get into all of that. So stick around for this conversation. All right, guys. So let's hop into my pick of the week. Uh, we know that we lost a rap legend this weekend, uh, DMX passed. And I think my pick of the week this week is just all of the amazing videos that people were sharing of DMX. Some of them were the most random things of him, you know, <laughs> making omelets and IHOP in Buffalo or dancing on a street corner or preaching on a street corner or saying a prayer. And I think those videos um, really helped me process his loss. Um, I did not. It's always interesting when you you know, celebrities die and people who have shaped some part of your life indirectly and you don't know them personally. And if you would have told me <laughs> that if DMX died, I would have shed tears. I would not have believed you. But literally, I think my entire four years in high school was the peak of his career. And so um, I think when I played Party Up, a few tears dropped. Um, but those videos all were so amazing. And if you haven't seen any of them, I'm sure you can go on. I don't follow the shade room, but if you go on the shade room or one of those sites, but they're all on Twitter, um, that's where I saw most of them. So those are my pick of the week this week, because it was just really good to see those, to see him living life. Um, and, um, it helped me process the, the grief 
that I experienced. And if you have not listened to, this is another plug, um, Therapy for Black Girls. I'm not sure the episode number, but she did a podcast. Dr. Joy uh, did a podcast about um, how do you grieve a person that you didn't know? Like, how does that even make sense? Um, so I remember listening to that episode. I can't remember which celebrity had passed um, when she had did that episode, but it's, it's always a good one to go back to because you feel crazy. Like, I don't know this person, but they, they were a big part of your life at some point. Right. And so check that episode out. You can search it in your podcast app or on Google and it should come up. All right, let's hop right into this housekeeping because we have a few things to go to before we get into the conversation with Alma. Uh, first up is the feedback from episode 171. Do not be a pick me with Dr. Donna Oreo. Um, listen, I have not gotten so much feedback about an episode in a long time. You guys loved, loved, loved this episode with Dr. Donna. Um, I got a few messages about why did y'all have to snatch our edges like that? (laughs) So many of you said you had sent the episode to your friends to listen to. You had conversations about it with your parents. Um, so I really, really appreciate all of you. Um, in particular, who sent a message or a DM about how um, this episode impacted you. And so I just want to thank all of you for listening. And I do want to highlight this one DM I received um, because I thought what was said was so spot on and so um, perfect. This episode was absolutely amazing. It was so responsible. I listened twice and so many gems in the conversation. I shared it with my mother to listen. My favorite line was, you don't apply to only one job at a time. So why would you only date one person at a time? Um, So many people talked about that particular quote in their feedback. So again, thank you all for listening. Just a reminder that SoundCloud is uh, will not house the entire catalog of the Booney Breakdown podcast. So I'm encouraging you all, if you listen on SoundCloud, to listen on any of the other podcast apps, you know, you know Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean. There are so many other outlets you can listen to. You can also listen over on YouTube. Um, I'm asking you guys to also subscribe to our channel. We're so close. As soon as I get 150 followers, we will drop our first video over there. We're very close to 100 the last time I checked. Um, and then once we get 100 followers, I can get the the vanity URL. So you can go to youtube.com backslash the Booney Breakdown, make it very easy, but we need a couple more people to, in order to do that. So if you would be so kind to subscribe over, over on YouTube, it's very easy. As long as you have a Google account, which most of us do with Gmail, then you have a YouTube account and you can go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And that's all you need to do. And I appreciate you guys so much. Also, if you're new here or you've been listening for a few episodes, not sure how you feel about us, still feeling us out, I would encourage you and implore you to follow us on uh, social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Boonie Breakdown. We're on Twitter just at Boonie Breakdown. We're also on Pinterest. You can follow us over there. I just said YouTube. We're pretty much everywhere. It's just The Boonie Breakdown. And you can follow us in all those places. If you would like to leave us a five-star review, you can do so over an Apple podcast. If you listen in Overcast, I was told you can leave five-star reviews in Overcast as well. Um, So yes, we love five-star reviews. And uh, that is it for me, guys. So let's get into this conversation and let's get ready to break it down. All 
All right, guys. So this is a, a overdue episode for me, but I'm excited to have here Ama Gordon of Global Fertility Connection. Welcome to the Boonie Breakdown. Woo woo! I'm excited. <laughs> I am just, look, I'm gonna just put it out there. We went to college together. We were in marketing classes together for a few, yes. like junior and senior year in college. Yes. So. Yes. And we lived in the same dorm too. We did. We did. Look, was that <laughs> freshman co- year? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jocelyn Harwick, everybody, you know, has, who has made it through freshman year in those dorms uh, this- are better people for it. So <laughs> I cannot believe that that was almost 20 years ago. Isn't, Isn't that, that crazy? crazy? Like, it's crazy how time flies. How was that possible? But the reason why you're here, um, because we have that connection following on social I was like, whose post is this? Saw that you had started this new venture um, with Global Fertility Connection, which is so awesome. So first, can you just tell us how you got into this space and you decided to settle in doing work in this industry? Yeah, it is literally a labor of love, right? So Global Fertility Connections, what we do is we help people have babies, right? Just to break it down simply. And there's a lot of people out there that have challenges and, or just biologically don't have the ability because Mm -hmm. of same-sex marriages, right? Especially same-sex males, right? Uh, If you just take it back to sort of high school sex ed class, right? (laughs) You need three things to have a baby. You need sperm, (laughs) you need an egg, and you need someone to carry it. So uh, as much as we like to believe that when we get into relationships or partnerships and when we're thinking about building a family, we have all three of those things, Mm. we may or may not have all three of those things, depending on what your relationship is and your partnership is. And then if you do have all three of those things, all three of those things aren't necessarily prepared uh, to be able to fully function in the way we want them to, as much as we want our bodies to work. Uh, you know, we can will it to work. Uh, Sometimes we need a little help. And that is where uh, assisted reproductive technology comes in, Uh, aka going to the fertility doctors. And, you know, all the things that come along with it, IVF clinics, surrogacy, egg donation, all of it is what we help people do. So I feel like that space is so expansive, just with even the short list that you've rattled off. Um, and I feel like it, 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 it's becoming less taboo, but it's still a taboo topic to talk about fertility and or infertility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I call it. So, uh, (laughs) what we do is we connect what we call in the business intended parents. So as anybody who wants to have a baby, we connect them with the right reproductive services for exactly what they need. So, uh, if, if you're HIV positive, if you're single, if you're a Mm. same sex couple, if, uh, you have, uh, you know, you can't carry, so you have to go through surrogacy or any of those things, Everyone has a unique case. And uh, rather than sort of scouring the internet, going to what's now virtual conferences, people used to travel Uh, all over the country and world to try to get the right information. You start with us. We do a consultation, understand exactly what your unique needs are. And we put together a personalized plan that fits within your budget and unique needs. Uh, So we do all the work for you. And uh, the ethics and standards that we require of our reproductive service partners are above the national average for success rates. Mm. And they meet uh, legal and ethical standards that quite frankly don't even exist within the world of surrogacy or egg donation. It's like the wild, wild west, no one is regulating it. (laughs) 
So we've become sort of the gatekeepers for these intended parents. And uh, we, we start from what I call the beginning of the funnel. So egg freezing. And I call that, you know, dinner table talk. It's yes. okay because it's less taboo. It doesn't imply that there's any problem. People, you know, I like to say it's like insurance, right? If yeah, you have car it's like a little, a savings account. Exactly. It's <laughs> like, you know, if you have car insurance, you hope you don't get into an accident. But if you need to use your insurance, you are damn excited that you have it because it saves the day. And that's how I think of freezing eggs. So we go from that end all the way to the other end of the funnel, which I call after dinner uh, conversation, after you've had a few drinks, right? (laughs) Everyone gets a little more relaxed, right? And that's surrogacy. Totally taboo. Uh, It obviously implies that you can't do this naturally Mm -hmm. in some sort of way or fashion. And uh, we help all the way through to that end of the um, fertility journey as well. Okay, before I jump in my deep rabbit hole, I want to say something too. Like, I just it just popped in my mind. Do you work with clients who would like to use a surrogate for vanity reasons, right? Like, um, not even that they health wise could not, but it's just like I don't want to carry a baby, but I want one. I want one that is biologically mine. Yeah, we don't have any at the present moment. But we can, right? Because every all the steps that go into it are the same in terms mm-hmm. of what you need for that to happen. You need someone to carry it. So if you're going to go through a surrogacy agency or if you're going through a personal friend or contact, there's a lot of legal things that have to happen. Contracts have to be made. Screenings have to be done. So you need an IVF clinic. So um, honestly, people who do it for vanity reasons, I don't know too many of them because once they go down that road, it is way more complicated than mm. it seems like in, in your brain. So if you're doing it, uh, not only is it, you know, super expensive. And when I say super expensive, I mean, over $125,000 minimum, yeah. you know, up to 250, it really depends. So once you think about the financial toll it might take and the emotional and mental toll of completely relinquishing all control to someone else, mm to take their medication, to show up to the doctor's appointments, that vanity starts that little bubble. <laughs> that you're like, I don't want to do this because I don't want my tummy to, you know, my abs. Yeah. It, start, it starts to change the whole scenario. So I don't know too many people uh, and we haven't had any clients that want to do it for vanity reasons. I'm sure they exist. I just haven't encountered Camping. them yet. Our, our clients really have, um, you know, different challenges and uh, sort of the hardest cases, quote unquote, if you will. Understood. No, I just, when you said that, and one of the questions I received from one of my listeners kind of teetered on that line of, they were skirting around saying vanity, but that's what they were implying. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of women I, and I get it. Pregnancy does not seem fun. <laughs> at <you know>? all. It's <laughs> not so many people that, not so many women I know that are like, oh, pregnancy is amazing. Sign and, me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, so um, I'm sure they exist. And if you have the financial means and you're willing to sort of let go of that responsibility, uh, you're good. And just, sorry, I just want to give a heads up. I'm in Brooklyn. (laughs) I live in Brooklyn, New York. We are recording during COVID (laughs) virtually. So look, I feel like every New Yorker (laughs) who comes on this podcast makes that same disclaimer at some point. (laughs) If you you hear any sirens, uh, everything is under control. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like everyone makes that disclaimer. So So my (laughs) audience here at the Boonie Breakdown is primarily Black women. Um, Majority single, 
mid, I'm going to say late twenties, but mostly mid thirties to mid forties. Yep. Um, and so I feel like black women in particular suffer in silence with fertility issues. We don't talk about it. Um, we've recently seen, you know, celebrities, Gabrielle Union, I think Michelle Obama in her book last year, um, mentioned some of her struggles with yep. trying to consume Tyra Banks, Tyra, Tyra Banks. Banks. Had a so we've seen well. these, mm-hmm. we can even say Kim K. We know she mm-hmm. used a surrogate for her last two children. Yep. Candy Burris from the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yep. I mean, the list goes on. So it's, it's helpful that you have these references in pop culture to mm-hmm. know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm excited about this conversation because I do want it to be loud. Like I know somebody listening, um, people that I know personally who want to have children, it's looking bleak because they're unpartnered. So it's like, how does this work? But I'm not giving up on being a mother. Yeah. And you know, and no one has to, you know what I mean? There's so many ways of building a family. And as long as you're open to what that might look like, Uh, then everyone has the opportunity to build a family, to be a mother, to be a father, to be a parent. And that is really the mission that my company was built on. It was built out of my own personal struggles with uh, Mm -hmm. infertility when I was married. Uh, It took such a toll on me that my marriage didn't even survive it. Uh, And there's so many other couples, singles that have gone through such a tumultuous journey as well. I just remember feeling, you mentioned, you know, feeling alone, right? And the disparity for uh, people of color and minorities and black women, right? And I I was that and I still am that, right? I'm mm-hmm. still on my journey. And everyone on my team has been a part of the process in some form or fashion. So my business partner, she has two sons uh, from IVF uh, oh, and we're okay. global. She's located in Australia. Uh, so just understanding what internationally those legal constraints are. Are, right people during COVID people can't even travel right you can't even co- yeah. if you if you live in Australia New Zealand some of those countries they weren't have, getting like, out <laughs> right like hey, we're gonna protect our population so people can't travel but sperm can and so can embryos and so can eggs right so um there's a lot of information uh that is required in expertise and I have a surrogate on my team who's been a surrogate she carried three babies uh oh, for wow. another family um we have uh two gay dads that have had babies through surrogacy. Uh, They're also our consultants. So we really try to marry the information uh, and education through the experience of fertility, also with the personal journey, because, you know, it's almost like, like we're talking about your audience is black women, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like talking to somebody about being black, but you're not black. It's like, "Mm, I'm sorry, this sounds good, but did you read that in the book or did you really feel? Have you ever walked on the street and felt like you weren't given an opportunity just because of the way you look? No? Okay, so zip it, right? So (laughs) we don't want that to be the case as it relates to fertility. So we, I try to round out the team where there's some sort of connection uh, because it makes people feel comfortable. And you admit there is such a big gap between access to information, services, resources within fertility for black people mm-hmm. and 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 in others, right? And, and white people, right? And it's not even just fertility because it's tied to healthcare. Fertility is healthcare. And I, I think that was one of the biggest things when I was doing some prep work for um, this conversation. The biggest thing, I, it was two glaring statistics that I saw. And in talking about healthcare, it was that 60% of black women have fibroids by the time they, they reach age 35, which... Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. was glaring in comparison to our white counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other one, it was like white women, like in this age, I was like 25 to 44. Um, they seek out fertility methods or treatments like two times more frequently than black women do. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. part of that is access. I'll say like, my story, I'm not sure I want to be a mother. It's not off the table. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's on the table, but it's somewhere mm-hmm. floating. But my my I appreciate my healthcare practitioner for years. My gynecologist has been like, Adrian, you've never been pregnant. So you don't want to wait until you're 39 or 40 and you might meet someone and you want to have a baby. And now we have issues. Like we can be proactive about this versus being reactive. And for, for a while, I just was like, I don't know, uh, I'm not doing it. But I think this year was the first year, uh, COVID, thinking about legacy, like, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe yeah. I should take these steps to just explore what could be out there because she has a point. <laughs> exactly. And you're not the only one. Uh, I get a lot of questions about, so has COVID negatively impacted your business? And I'm like, you know, there's certain industries that are inelastic and mm-hmm. having babies is one of them. Right. And when you're intentionally trying to have a baby, putting in the effort, putting in the time uh, to go, you know, above and beyond to build a family that doesn't just stop. Mm. It might slow down because of your access to the clinics. Right. If you can't get an appointment, it has to be virtual or whatever it is. Right. Uh, And I think for a while it wasn't considered essential. So IVF clinics did have to close and postpone and reschedule. So unless it was, you know, uh, an essential or emergency procedure, they weren't doing them. Okay. But right. Uh, those bans have been lifted months ago, right? Procedures have recontinued. Uh, I've had fibroid surgery since then. So uh, things have been back in ab- action since the summer um, of 2020. Okay. That's when I had my fibroid removal surgery. I had an open um, surgery on myomectomy. Um, oh, wow. but, but to your point, you know, it's like, wait a minute, tomorrow's not promised. So let's not wait. Let's do what we can now. And that is actually positively impacting the business around fertility and people seeking out help, people wanting to be more proactive because they realize tomorrow's not promised and we don't have forever. Do so not. yeah, and you know, and 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 honestly, when it comes to fertility, your eggs and your sperm. So guys, if there's any guys listening, don't think that oh, women as they get older, you know, they kind of get rotten. Mm-mm, sir, sperm <laughs> ages too, right? So if you are 35, you got 35 year old sperm, sir. You know, (laughs) I'm glad you said that because so much of this burden of the childbearing process or um, which is you intended parents. I like that word. I'm going to start using that. But so much of that, the burden in heterosexual couples is put on the woman and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you never hear it's always, oh, your eggs going to dry up. It's never anything about him. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, your eggs are scrambled. Excuse me. Your sperm are scrambled, sir. Okay. Right. They're, they're not even swimming straight anymore. They're swimming in circles. (laughs) You know what I mean? That is called morphology, right? (laughs) And motility, which is how they move. Come on, Uh, break it down. Direction in which they move. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's just like when we were younger, like we used to be able to, you know, run and exercise, might be able to run that mile when we were 25, 35, that mile is coming a little slower. Yeah. (laughs) Moving a little slower, you know what I mean? Uh, But yeah, I mean, all of our body, all of our parts age as we age. So it's just something to keep in mind uh, because you mentioned a stat earlier about 
black women uh, just having higher infertility rates. And it's, and it's true. I mean, I have read the same research that black women are twice as likely to have infertility issues and they are tied to things like fibroids, you know, and even, you know, because we specialize in both egg freezing and surrogacy. And even when you think about the options for women, right. Uh, it's, and, and embryos don't recognize color. I just want to be clear about that. They just need a nice, cozy uterus to spill <laughs> in, right? That's healthy. But as Black people, we like to, to, to see people that look like us who are fertility doctors. Yeah. And we would love to see someone who looks like us carrying our babies or if we needed an egg donor, an egg donor that looked like us. And the pool is smaller for us. I, I read a research study um, recently that said 90% of gestational carriers, so the women who carry those babies mm -hmm. uh, in surrogacy, are white women. Oh, wow. 7% are Black and the rest are other. So think so about that. Would that would be, I mean, because I'm going to think about myself and I'm going to be transparent here. Um, I think I would struggle. I would definitely struggle if I, my selection was 12 pages of white women and a half a page of black women. I'm, uh, I'm going to so look at the half a page I'm first. I'm going to correct you. It's not even going to be a half a page. It might be a quarter of a page. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at those three women praying that they're not carrying someone else's baby at the time. Like that's yeah. where I'm going to start. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it is tough. Uh, but you know, there is hope and this is really my mission as well. Right. We, we want to help everyone who needs it, but mm -hmm. I've got a personal connection with helping people of color right, and black women, because I am a black woman. Right. And uh, that includes really uniting with other black business owners within this space. There's not a lot I'll be mm -hmm. honest, uh, there's not a lot of black uh, fertility doctors that have, a, you know, a lot of experience, especially within surrogacy. They exist, but, you know, it's 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 less than and, our, our counterparts. And while you're saying that, is it like in America, at least, is it just the major cities where you can find me? I know you, right now no. you can you can you can have no, your you consultation can. with you, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, you okay. can, uh, yeah, no, it's not just the major cities for okay. sure. Um, because, um, believe it or not, uh, especially when it has to do with surrogacy, um, the, the, the states that are not the metropolitan cities, uh, often have uh surrogates that live outside of them. Okay, so some of the uh companies that get set up, they're kind of outside of the major cities. It's also less expensive to, to run the practice, uh, and things like that, but. But yeah, I mean, there's a handful of black owned practices, right? There's a handful of black owned surrogacy agencies. And, you know, as it relates to black professionals within this space, uh, you know, it's it's we're just really trying to gather together and uh, come together. There's a new uh, organization, actually, that I recently joined. It's called uh, RAMP. And okay. it's really about, um, you know, minority professionals uh, within the reproductive space. And um, this is essentially the purpose of that. It's to, to really kind of get, you know, people of color who work in this space, uh, who represent the professional space within fertility, and how can we help people um, that look like us? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, if someone is kind of just starting this journey, they've had questions about it. Um, is there a way that they could um, 
I guess what's the first step you can do to even know if you're, and I don't want to say this, but you correct me if my language is wrong. If you're fertile, um, if you're going to have trouble conceiving, like what would be that first step? And would you advise someone to do that before they came to you as a consultant or would you assist them in that process? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So believe it or not, the time to check your fertility is actually before you're trying. So before it's even on your radar and that's actually in your twenties. No one tells us that though. Right. And (laughs) they they focus on don't get pregnant, you know, get your education, you know, stay on birth control until you're ready. No, nobody prepares us for it not to be easy to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it's not on our radar to go to our OBGYN and say, Hey, I want to check my fertility levels. I, you know, I want to know what my AMH uh, level is, which is anti-malarian uh, hormones, which is really just what your egg reserve count is. Oh, okay. or, yeah. Or if there's any imbalance, if you have any cysts, if you have any fibroids, right? Uh, no one, you know, it really having deep conversations around your period because your period is a real indication of what your, uh, you know, reproductive health might be. Okay. Right. It's not normal to have these really long, really heavy periods. Something is going on. Right. But no one even talks about that. Like I remember in college, I had one of, um, my friends uh, in uh, you know the group that I hung out with a lot, and she used to have to take pre- prescription grade medication every month when her period came. Wow! Because of the pain, and you know, lo and behold, you know, years later we realized she had uh, fibroids, you know, and uh, or like the really long periods. Uh, and when I was going through my fertility journey and, and still am, one of the earlier things that I did was change my diet. I took out dairy, I took out meat and I saw directly impact, like the direct impact on my period. It got shorter and it got lighter and my skin got better too. So that was, (laughs) 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 and and so you're, you're just talked about the influence of diet. Um, we've talked, talked on the influence of age, but, um, if you're, if you're starting this path, is there an optimal age to do um, egg harvesting for going to the egg freezing route? Like, or is it like, if you are past this point, it's just too late. We should look at other avenues for. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to sound bleak, but that optimal age to do that again is like early, like twenties, right? College. No one's even thinking about it. And uh, because that is when your eggs are young, a lot of times um, they are healthy. And if there's any complications at that time is when you can learn about it. Uh, But no one's thinking about it at that time. Yeah, I'm like, because I'm sitting here like everyone's like, all right, well, now I'm 33. Yeah, and it's not too late, right? It's not too late. And we can talk about, you know, uh, when is quote unquote too late. Uh, But to answer your question of when is the optimal time. Yeah. yeah, And you you brought up earlier that disparity between, uh, you know, black culture and others. Let me tell you something. Our white ourselves. are, and you know what? It is come. It is so much more normalized within other communities. There are fathers that are gifting their college undergraduate, college graduate daughters with egg freezing cycles as their gift. Wow. Yeah. What a nifty and thoughtful gift. So smart. So smart, right? Because (laughs) 
I mean, it's so it's supportive of, hey, I want you to continue your education. I want you to continue your professional endeavors. But I care about you enough to know that, you know, your eggs, like I said earlier, age with you. And I don't want that to be a hindrance down the line. So here is $15,000 right, to do an egg freezing cycle because it's not like you have this corporate job with all these fertility benefits yet, right? Yeah. So that's what some fathers, right, uh, I read are doing uh, for for their daughters as uh, college graduates. And, you know, as a black woman within my community, I mean, I could barely bring it up at the dinner table. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like, you say it, like if you say anything that's, outside of you birthing a child it's like we don't adopt babies or you know it, it's all or, it, oh you know what it'll be fine pray about it child God, yeah, you know God'll do it <laughs> <laughs> won't he do it yes he will right and it's like yes and god also created reproductive endocrinologists yes. aka fertility doctors you know so let's use all of the things God has given us to help us to be help better this prepared. situation along yes and and I, I mean, you just threw out a number here. So, okay, I, we're going to use me as an example. For I, I come to you, Ama, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do this. I know I'm 36, child, but let's see what's left in here to harvest. <laughs> no, so, okay, okay, yeah. So listen, I, 36 is not too old. Like, okay. I want to be very, very clear. 36 is not too old. I froze my eggs at 34. Well, I had just turned 35, but I started the process at 34 because I did okay. that at the end of the year. And uh, it really depends on what your fertility levels are. So when you go in, they take blood work, they do ultrasounds, right? Okay. To get a, a good understanding of where you sit. And at that moment, they will give you um, a pretty good diagnosis of here's what your fertility, you know, rank, if you will, you know, is, and here's how much time, you know, maybe, you know, if you're not thinking about it right now, but you want to, you're going to want to come back within a year and then we can check your levels again. And I do have a previous client that, you know, she went, had her levels checked. She was like, all right, cool. I think she was 34. Yeah. She was 34 when she went the first time and they were like, yeah, your egg reserve is really good. It's kind of in line with like a 28 year old. So you're fine. And she came back a year later and it was significantly lower. Mm. Uh, and typically a year won't change so drastically, but for her, it did. So, you know, the, the rule of thumb for me is the sooner, the better. I have okay. an egg freezing client right now. And, you know, all I did was share my story and share the stories of other clients around timing, around, you know, age, what they were able to get. And just by sharing that, she's like, okay, let me get, you know, I want to do this now because, you know, is like I said, it's like insurance. Hopefully you don't have to use it, but if you do, you have, you it are just- damn glad that you did it. And so what, what are the fees associated with this? Like, do we have um, maybe an initial console fee? Uh, I know we talk about freezing. So there's some type of storage fee. Like what could people expect like on average that you could spend? I know the length of time that you're saving and all of that comes into play, but just on average, what does a client spend on that? Yeah. So it really, so when you think about options to pay for egg freezing in particular, there's basically three different options you have. You can either pay out of pocket hundred percent, mm-hmm. right? You can get fertility financing. So there's options out there, you know, where you can get on payment plans and then you have insurance okay. and um, all those things will vary. So if you do have insurance coverage, they will cover things like the consultation, 
uh, because that's, you know, a, a doctor's visit, if you will, like a copay. Uh, they may co cover the fertility assessment. They may con cover some of the lab tests and uh, cost of anesthesia. Okay. But uh, one of the things that typically that I've seen uh, that is not covered uh, more often than not is medication. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times you'll have in your insurance covers like, oh, you know, like I'm going to make it up, you know, one of the pharmacy providers cover medication. And I actually had to tell a client recently, I have never seen the different options of medication that any of my clients have had covered by standard insurance. They don't fall under that, uh, you know, like a Walgreens, a CVS, yeah. right? Right. They don't fall under that. It's actually a specialty pharmacy that safely has to be delivered. And it falls outside of that realm. Mm. Uh, but, you know, nowadays, more and more often, there are companies that are either uh, providing fertility benefits that cover what's, and they consider it to be social egg freezing in the mm. benefits. Yeah. Uh, so they may cover one or two cycles, or they're uh, buying supplemental fertility coverage to accompany whatever the insurance coverage of the company is. Uh, and some of these um, companies are uh, like, uh, it's called, one is called Carrot, another one is called Progeny, right? And um, they assist with or complement the insurance that, you, you know, your company offers. That's amazing. And they cover everything, actually. And they cover more than one cycle sometimes. Uh, I have a previous client where they covered, I think two, uh, they definitely covered two of her cycles because she had one of those supplemental providers um, that I mentioned, I think it was carrot that she had. So there's options, but to answer your question of, well, you know, if it was out of pocket, how much does it cost? It really depends. Um, but I typically quote based on my research and uh, different clinics and different locations. And, you know, the biggest variables are medication because it de it's dependent on what your fertility uh, okay. levels are um, and, uh, and the actual fees and what goes into your package. But it can be anywhere between, you know, eight or ten thousand uh, dollars, you know, to fifteen to sixteen thousand dollars. You know, gotcha. what I mean? um, yeah. And that's just a range. So you may be able to find clinics that do it a lot you know, cheaper. I, uh, you know, was on a clubhouse uh, uh, room. It was in a clubhouse room recently. And someone, a doctor on there said, you know, you might be able to find a clinic that could do it for a couple thousand dollars. I just have never found that type of clinic. <laughs> and I don't know any, I haven't had any clients that have had such cheap, the, the, the cheapest that I've had a client pay for egg freezing. And it's because she had fertility benefits. Um, well, one, the, the cost from the clinic was about $4,500. Okay. Uh, and almost all of it was covered because of the insurance that she had. Wow. Look, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, as things evolved, I didn't even know that there was supplemental fertility insurance. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's becoming more and more popular. And I even tell people, clients, you know, listen, things don't change unless we start asking for change. So mm -hmm. if you're at a company and they currently don't offer fertility benefits or it's limited or it doesn't cover social egg freezing, ask about it, go to your HR and say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm interested in. If you have uh, an employee resource group, you know, and you guys meet or whatever it is, or you even can just corral a few other women and have you all come to your HR business manager. You know, the more people that come to them asking for this, when it's time for, you know, re-enroll 
moment mm-hmm. and things they can start to inquire. Uh, and even you can come to them with some of these supplemental programs and say, hey, uh, you know, they sometimes they have a tab that says for employees, here's what you want to say to your, uh, to your job, right? Here's what you want to present. And I even put together a little blurb for my clients. Who <laughs> I love that. Here's what you can go to HR with. It, it includes stats. It includes the supplemental um, insurance provider information. And it includes uh, suggestions about employee resource groups, how to corral people, all that stuff. Because it may not be now when you're doing it, but if you can sort of pass the baton and help the women behind you, you know, two, three, four, five years from now, who are working as hard as you can, as you are right now, and it's covered for them. I feel like, you know, we can all make a difference that's in a, a small way. That's, that's such dope advice to uh, advocate for yourself and others at HR. Nothing. See again, something I would have thought of. <laughs> um, <laughs> so before we wrap up, I do want to touch briefly on, cause I feel like we focused on surrogacy and egg freezing. Um, but in vitro, um, I feel like, of all of the, the fer- I word, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like that is the most <laughs> commonly heard thing. I think now we're at spaces. I know someone, a couple people who have conceived, um, <laughs> via multiple rounds of IVF as you know, it's abbreviated. Um, I feel, and I, I, this is just me being an outsider looking in on other people's experiences. I feel like IVF seems to be, um, a way more emotional process than I think people uh, think about as I've watched uh, people that I know um, kind of trying to plan. We know we have three tries we can do that'll be covered, but if we need that fourth one, that one's going to be $15,000. And are we going to do that? And I feel like the emotional toil of trying to effectively plan um, how they're going. It was like a strategy session. It seemed like, yeah. Um, and so for, uh, you know, people who might come to you or interested in IVF, what tips do you have for them as they're exploring that option? So this is a really, I want to preface this with all of this is really subjective. It really depends mm-hmm. on what your life is like, whether you're single, whether you're in a partnership, how soon you're ready to have kids, what what your ideal age was or is mm-hmm. to have children and what your current life looks like now and how much you're willing to give up, how much you're willing to navigate through because fertility is not a straight path. No matter how much you plan, no matter how much you think, you know, you're prepared for it, there are always surprises in some form or fashion. And, um, when, you know, when you talk about it being sort of the hardest, uh, as it relates to that process, um, my subjective opinion, at least for me through my experience was really the emotional piece of it. Some people Mm -hmm. are like, I can't take needles and I can't, you know, some, so some people can hire a nurse done address that. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fee to pay, but you don't have to worry about needles. You know, some people say, you know, I need, I need someone to drive me and do my planning for my appointments. Cool. They'll bring someone in to help them um, prepare that. I'm not prepared for how much it's going to cost. Cool. They can bring in someone like me and I can help them do all that planning. Right. But there's some of it that you just can't hire someone else to do. Right. Uh, And the medication, you have to take that, how it's going to impact your body, uh, your emotional um, well-being. You have to take that. Right. Whether it works and, you know, the hope that you have for it, but the realism that it might not, Mm. you have to deal with that. And, you know, I don't actually think so. And and again, this is my opinion. Egg freezing 
and IVF, they're, I like to think of them as one in the same. Okay. Um, and it's cut in half. So egg freezing is half, right, of an IVF cycle. What it is, so the first part of an IVF cycle is, uh, you know, you, you do all the fertility assessments, you know, uh, you know, you, they follow your cycle, they plan it, you take medications, uh, you know, they, they stimulate your follicles, they, you know, develop eggs, right, so that they can harvest and take out, right, when they take out those eggs, the viability of those eggs then determine whether they can be fertilized, right? And uh, same thing with the sperm, right? They do the sperm testing, you know, are they, you know, in a good condition to fertilize eggs? And then they create embryos. And it's, and then they say, okay, what are the viability of these embryos? Did they, you know, did they make it, right? Um, are they strong enough to be able to be implanted? So when you think about egg freezing, you do all the medications, you do all the stuff, they create the eggs you. and they retrieve them, right? So I like to think of it, as you're halfway there. Gotcha. Okay. Right. It's still an, an emotional, I don't know if you can curse on this, but it's still an you emotional. Can. Okay. It's an, <laughs> it's a, it's an emotional motherfucker. Like it is so much. Wow. Right. But, um, I, you know, when I did it, I thought of it as at least I'm breaking this up. So when I'm ready to use them, I am now starting from, okay. Uh, I need to fertilize them and create embryos. I need to thaw the eggs. Hopefully, you know, they make it through the thawing process and then I need sperm and they can create embryos. I still don't need to do anything. I'm still at home. Right. And then once they've created the embryos. Right. And, you know, uh, you know, they usually, you know, you can freeze them and then use them at a later date. Uh, so when you're late, when you're ready to use the embryos now, now I'm up to bat. Right. So I had my, okay. so I'm coming up to bat when it's time to do a transfer. So for me, I've broken up that emotional, physical, mental toll. Now I still need to take medications and, and do all that stuff, right? But now I'm on the the home, the, the other half of okay. it. Okay. And when it comes to IVF, ideally when you do a cycle, uh, you create as many embryos as you can and they are viable and you freeze them. So later on when you do cycles, uh, you already have your embryos. So the medication and things and things that you're taking is really to prepare your body for the transfer. Gotcha. You know, um, and then it's this waiting game. You have about two weeks of waiting to see if they implant and your body, you know, um, you know, takes to it. And then that's another emotional journey. You know, um, it's like, you know, it just anything that anybody would ever wait for on pins and needles. That is how you feel, especially uh. when it's not your first time, because there are failed transfers. Yeah. And so like, what what would you recommend for people who are going through this process in terms of emotional support? Because it seems like it can be many highs and lows during this process where you're like, I'm excited. We have embryos. Yay. We're going to do the transfer. And then it's unsuccessful. So yeah, um, that's yeah, what like, makes it so hard. Yeah. And that's what makes it so hard is that this is an emotional roller coaster and so much is out of your control. So, you know, it's, the emotional support is to me is really important with the partner that you have. And if you're deciding to go through this single, whoever you have, right. If it's your, your rider, right. Your best friend, your mama, you know, your sister, whoever it is, your cousin that can be there with you. Um, because even if you're someone like me who manages their emotions relatively well, okay. when you're taking medications and hormones hmm. that goes out the window. So anything that you would have had control over to say, okay, bring yourself back down. Let's think about this rationally. 
hormones don't allow you to do that, right? So you have these like artificial, you know, changes happening because of the medication, the hormones for the medication. So you don't have the control. So, so when you might've been able to control how sad you might get or how easily reacted, you don't have it to bring yourself down. So you either need someone to cry with you, right? Hold your hand as you're crying, Right. Because you don't want to hear people saying it's going to be fine. It's going to work. And right? you're like, no. <laughs> right. Right. Because then you want to you want to punch him in the face. Like, like how do you, know? you don't know up? Him. Yeah. You're not a doctor. So just, you know, shut the fuck up. Right. And then you get you upset at them. You want someone who's going to just be there as you go through this, because you're not even even always able to control those emotions because of the hormones. So I you need somebody there with you whoever it is, that's going to show up someone who is reliable, someone who, you know, knows your favorite things to eat, who knows the things that bring you joy, who knows how to pick you up, right? You know, if you have a puppy, a dog, a cat, whatever, bring them too. you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they got to stay in the lobby or stay in the car, (laughs) but they're, you know, on the car ride with you, because um, your body responds to stress. Right. And in order for your body to respond as best to the medications and to all of this science that is helping you develop this family, uh, it's important to minimize your stress, whether that's through acupuncture, whether that whether that's through yoga, whether that's Mm. through prayer, whether that's through exercise, whatever it is that helps you de-stress. It is so important to try to establish a regimen, a routine. And I focus a lot on that with my clients also because you know I'm not a doctor I'm just a black woman that has gone through some shit look you have a cool (laughs) title you are a fertility doula like I love that (laughs) yeah you know so uh and I compliment the doctors you know I talk about a lot of the things that they don't talk about I address the things that they don't you know, necessarily address and that sort of all the other side. So outside of the science, right? Outside yeah. clinical stuff is how you feeling, right? Is what you need right now is, you know, how can we make you feel good? Because that is when your, you know, your body, you know, like they say, like there's a lot of things in life that affect your body because of stress. Stress can like Stress kills, right? Stress Fertility is no kills. different. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So stress can kill the whole process and it doesn't yeah. make sense to continue to go through it if you're so stressed. And as it relates to my personal story, I was so stressed going through the early stages of my fertility um, journey. And I did, you know, IUIs, which is intrauterine insemination. I did a few of those, right? And I did a, uh, took a bunch of other medication to make sure I was ovulating all the, all the stuff that they tell you to do right mm-hmm. before you actually do the IVF piece. And I was so stressed, but I was stressed before I even started the process. <laughs> so it's like, I needed to check AMA first. Yeah. So any woman, any partnership, I would highly encourage that if there's any triggers in your life, acknowledge them and minimize them. What, and it might be people, you know what I mean? It might be people and you're going to have to kind of, you, you kind of got to get pushed to the side. Set up those boundaries. Yeah, to, set yeah. up those boundaries, protect your peace. I'm big on protecting your peace, you know, at least for amount of time because you don't realize how stressed you are and so you're not stressed that way anymore. It just feels different because you, like, you think it's normal because it's how you feel all the time. But then when you cross a threshold, 
and you're starting to take on regimens and nutrition plans and just different lifestyle, maybe changing who's in your life and who's in your circle. You're like, oh shit, I was so stressed before. Like, this is what peace feels like. (laughs) Oh shit, what was I doing before then? You know, like, so, so yeah, it's super important to me. Look, since this is my shit, this is my shit, I'm changing up the flow. (laughs) We're not going to do the breakdown. I think that was like the perfect place to end on um, your kind of empowerment speech for the people who are doing this, who are going to start this journey. Listen, I could talk all day about this. So that's, that's so bomb because (laughs) people who find, and it's, and especially with your personal story, you've developed this passion to help other people who are, you know, like yourself or not like yourself. And it is definitely important work that needs to be done. So yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. Right. Because I'm still I an could. entrepreneur. I'm still a business owner. I'm still a black female business owner in America in an industry that there's huge disparities mm-hmm. for patients, let alone the owners of these things. And every day is hard. And when I think about, OK, why are you doing this again? I get reminded of why I started and why I want to continue. And that's and that and just and this is kind of, I guess, away from fertility, more of like business advice. Yeah. You have to know your why, right? You have to be rooted and understanding very clear about your why, because sometimes that's the only thing you that will keep you going because the money might not be coming in, right? You might not (laughs) especially in those dark moments where you're like, fuck all this shit. I'm quitting. Yeah. 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 And, and, and even if you quit for a moment, cause sometimes I do quit for a moment, like 30 minutes and I'm like, no, (laughs) there's so many, there's so many people that need this help. You know, I'll jump on a clubhouse or I'll get an email or someone will reach out like you, you know, on Instagram. And I'm like, all right, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this. Okay, cool. I'm back in the game, coach. Put me back in. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I love it. So if people are listening to this and they want to, uh, you know, hire your services consult with you on their journey where can they find you on social media on the interwebs just plug everything yeah yeah so global fertility connections is the name of the company you can just pop it in google or you can type in global fertility connections.com and it goes directly to my website and if you if you type in global fertility connections no spaces on instagram or facebook we will pop up there it's i mean you know I, you know we were marketing majors right adrian come so on now look you know the importance <laughs> of having exactly what your name is exactly what those exactly. keywords are and being consistent across the platforms and you know and you know ama gordon is, is is my name so even if you looked me up if you googled ama gordon and global fertility connections it'll come up there also you can follow me uh on instagram it's underscore ama ama underscore gordon g-o-r-d-o-n uh somebody took my full name so i had to add those you did the dashes it's so annoying right i wish i could have just had you know my first and last name but i had to put underscore ama underscore gordon it's usually always like some (laughs) bot account who's not even using it right i looked at it i was like yo you got like no posts like no posts no followers and now i can't get it and my name is so simple because ama's a-m-a underscore a-m-a underscore g-o-r-d-o-n so you can always follow me there too and you know, I'm always down to talk about fertility and, uh, you know, for inter- for people who live abroad, 
Uh, I don't know if you have any listeners that have traveled. But UK is heavy over here. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And my business partner is in Australia, and um, we have consultants in Germany and in Spain. So oh, awesome. we have the the globe covered, so we can help you in your time zone as well. Look, that's perfect. So I will link all of those in the show notes and on the booniebreakdown.com so you can easily access them. And uh, Alma, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope there was something that I said that helped at least one person. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys, for having me. All right, guys, that is it for this week's episode. I want to thank our guest, Ama Gordon of Global Fertility Connections. Like she said, I hope you learned so, so much about uh, the quest for parenthood for intended parents. And if you need more help on the journey, be sure to reach out to Ama, hit her up, follow her on social media for more tips and advice. All right. Also, be sure to support our sponsor for this episode, Erin Condren. There is a code to save $10 off of your purchase of $40 or more. It's in the show notes and on thebooniebreakdown.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or any app that you listen to your podcast on. Don't forget to leave those reviews too. You might just hear your review on the next episode. Follow us on all social media. Share the episode with those you love, those don't love those you fucking hate. I don't make these pretty images for nothing. Okay. Have a dope ass week. Stay healthy, safe, and sane. And remember the ratchet in me always honors the ratchet in you until next time.